Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Today, as we begin talking about the story of the God who does not give up on us and what it means for Jesus to, to come from heaven to earth, for us. I want to ask you to participate in an exercise with me. Now, thankfully, I want to share with you that in this exercise, there will be no stretching, okay? There will be no stretching and there, there will be no getting your heart rate up. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to list for you a series of names. And I want you to ask yourself, what do these people have in common? Okay, what do these people have in common? So here, here's the list of names. Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Joe Biden. What do all those people have in common aside from having more money than you or me? What, what do all those people have in common? Here's one of the things I'm guessing they all have in common is that for each of them, when you heard their name, you had an emotional reaction, even though you've probably never met them. You might have had a very positive emotional reaction. I really like that person. You might have had a very negative emotional reaction, uh, like I can't stand that person. Uh, you, you might have had kind of one of those emotional reactions like, I'm kind of interested in that person. They're kind of like watching a train wreck. You can't look away. Uh, but... Whatever it was, we have an emotional reaction when we hear of people who are leaders, right? All these people are very influential people. And even though they may or may not have had a direct influence on your daily life, uh, we feel as if they do uh, many times. And so, for instance, how you feel about the political leadership of your country, how you feel about the people in leadership at your business or your school, how you feel about the leaders in your family has a significant effect on how you feel day to day. We, we want to know that in those leadership positions, there's a steady hand at the wheel, that there's someone wise and caring and kind who is guiding things. And when we feel that, it's very comforting. And, and when we don't, it throws us off but the thing is, sometimes we end up looking for leaders in the wrong places. And we can walk around our life with a very insecure foundation for, for who we are and how we, how we feel about things because of that. And then there's this Jesus, this baby who we're told was not just a baby in a manger, but one of the things we're told about this baby is this baby was a king. Well, what's that mean? We're going to talk about that today, where we need to find our leaders and where we need to look to for, for the, the leaders that really make a difference for us. And as we do this, I think one of the things that will help you, uh, we, we really encourage Bible reading every day and we have a reading plan that goes along with what we're talking about throughout Advent. 
You can pick up a hard copy of the plan at the Information Center. You can find the plan uh, in digital form along with daily devotions on email or podcast at concordunited.org slash Bible. You can also find there, we have expanded prayer hours where we're opening our chapel throughout the week for prayer, uh, where you can just come and be in silent prayer uh, surrounded in, uh, by, in a beautiful chapel would encourage you to, to be a part of that. But if you're looking and if you think, well, when we just get better leadership in this country or in this company or in this school or in my family, then I can be secure and then I can be happy. I'm afraid the Bible has some, some difficult words for us. And, and we've all probably felt that way. And this comes to us from Psalm 146. And I just have to tell you, uh, th this, this is kind of like, I remember one time I went to the doctor, I was getting a lot of shots. And I had to get all these shots. And with every one, they told me, they're like, don't worry, this won't hurt much. And then they got to the tetanus shot and they were like, don't worry. And I was like, aren't you supposed to say this won't hurt much? And they're like, well, don't worry. Like, you know, so what I want to tell you about this scripture passage is, uh, don't worry, right? It'll be good for you um, and for me. But here we go. Verse three uh, of Psalm 146 do not put your trust in princes or princesses or politicians or CEOs. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals in whom there is no help. Ouch. Uh, when their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So, what we're being told there, what God's telling us in no uncertain terms, and in fact, in terms so certain that they're difficult to hear, like in whom there is no help, we shouldn't put our hope some, some in those people, is that, you know, a politician or a leader of any sort, like, they can be removed from leadership. They can pass away, and their, 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 plan, their plans are done at, at that point. And if you look, at, if you look in the world uh, in Jesus' day, where people were looking for leadership, uh, you know, uh, there was Caesar Augustus. And if they were going to find their identity in fallen Caesar, that wasn't going to work out for them because they were members of a tribe uh, in a faraway province of the Roman Empire uh, called Israel uh, that Caesar really didn't care that much about. What he really wanted them to do uh, was to quit being so rebellious and pay their taxes. Caesar didn't have their best interests at heart. And then they had their own, their supposed king of the Jews, King Herod. And you know what king, who King Herod liked? You know what, what, uh, who, what King Herod was really a big fan of? King Herod. Like King Herod was all about King Herod. And he was really rather genius, um, except he was just all about himself. And uh, incredible at hanging on to political power and, and gaining wealth for, for himself. But he didn't care about the everyday person in Israel, except for what they could do for him. So where were people back then, where were they going to find something they could trust? Uh, where, where, where were they going to find something they, they could believe in? Well, they, they kept hoping for this Messiah. And, and they thought, hey, this will be a good political leader who will really care about us. Or this will be a general who will conquer Rome so that we can take care of ourselves and not be ruled by someone far off. Uh, they were looking for someone like King David. Uh, they were looking for someone born in a palace, not a stable. Uh, they were looking uh, for someone uh, who would uh, be born in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem. 
they were looking for someone born to a princess, uh, not to a peasant. This is what they got. And this, this comes from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So here the angel Gabriel is showing up to a peasant girl named Mary, saying, hey, you right here, right now, you're a peasant, you're a virgin, you know what, God's going to use you, and you're going to give birth to the king. And, and this is the king that's going to save the people, and not just save the people, but of his kingdom. He'll set up an eternal kingdom of which there is no end. That's very different from what people were looking for, where they were looking for leadership, what, what they were expecting. And we can look back today and we can say, hey, today, this is difficult for us because um, to accept someone as king, right? Gabriel says, this person is supposed to be king. That's not easy for us. Recently, we, uh, I was talking to my youngest son who's second grade and, you know, uh, with the passing in England of, of Queen Elizabeth and King Charles and, and, and all of that, he, he was asking, he said, you know what? Why don't we have a king or a queen? And I was a history major. And I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, you can't give him the 45-minute version. Like, you, you got to take it down. And, and, and I was like, because that's what makes us Americans, right? That's our whole thing. Like, that's our thing. That's, that's like what we're all about is not having a king and queen. And I began to explain a little bit of the background of why and, and, and everything, what, what, why we don't. So for us today, we're like, this guy's supposed to be our king? I, I, I don't know. Like, that's our whole thing is we don't have one. Uh, but I, I want you to know that we do need a king. As Americans, we were right. We don't need a political king. As human beings, we need a heavenly king. We, we need that. We were created for that. And what we find is that Jesus is the only one worthy to be king. The reason human kings don't work out so well is there's not a single king who's worthy of being king. Jesus is. Je Jesus is worthy. And the reason Jesus is king is Jesus was born for this purpose. And again, as Americans, we're like, we, we don't really like that. Uh, we, we don't like that so much, that people being born for something. And I, I'm like, I'm with you on that. In fact, I think a lot of people think certain people are born just for one particular thing. And I'm not so sure. Like, in this world, I don't necessarily think, like, romantically, we have that one soulmate out there. My wife and I have talked about this. When we met, we connected real quick because, and we were like, oh, this, this is great. And we look back and, you know, we're like, I can't imagine it any other way. But if we'd made different choices and never met, I mean... We wouldn't have had that instant connection of finding each other and being like, wow, that person is a United Methodist who likes 90s country and can quote 
all the great Saturday Night Live skits of the 90s. Like, what could go wrong in this relationship? This was obviously designed from the beginning of time. Um, But if we'd made different choices and never met, God would have provided. Probably another United Methodist. Um, But in, in our lives, God has these things God wants for us. And God gives us free will, right? And sometimes we don't take advantage of those things. And we walk down paths God didn't want for us. And you know what God does in that scenario? God doesn't give up for us. God finds new ways to bless us on the path that, that we're on and help us get back towards a path that leads to God. That's, that's, what, that's what God does. There's a, lot, there's a lot of that born for this that we don't accept. But Jesus, Jesus was born for this. Jesus was born to be our king. There's a passage we read a lot in, uh, at Christmas time, and rightfully so. It's from Isaiah 9, verse 6. And this is what it says. It says, uh, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That he was born for this. Uh, a son has been given, a child has been born for this particular purpose. He's, he's the only one that can be our king. He was born for it. And not only uh, was, is Jesus our king because he was born for it, but Jesus is our king because he's the only one that's strong enough for this, right? Remember that passage from Isaiah? What are the names given to Jesus? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Mighty God. He, he's, he's called mighty God. He's the one who's strong and mighty enough to be our king, to to provide for whatever we need. And I'm just amazed when I read this from Isaiah because, you know, like the whole thing about us as Americans is we don't have kings and queens. Well, like the whole thing about the Jews was like they didn't believe people could be divine. They believed in one God and that people couldn't be divine. And that was their whole bit. I, I mean, that was what made them unique. And so uh, that's what got Jesus into so much trouble. He said he could, like when they were about to arrest him, uh, he said he could forgive sins. He implied that he was God. And they're like, no, we're Jews. We don't believe that. Kill him. We, we, We don't believe that. Well, Isaiah's writing and... Although Isaiah's writing in his own context, and we don't really think Isaiah knew exactly how Jesus would come about, it's obvious that Isaiah is writing about something hundreds of years before Christ that Isaiah can't imagine being a prophecy of just another human because Isaiah was a good Jew and Jews would never say this about somebody. They would never say that there's been someone given to us who is mighty God or everlasting father. No, a Jew would never say that. That's exactly the thing they wouldn't say. That's exactly the thing that they considered blasphemy and sacrilegious. And yet Isaiah says there's one coming. Who, who is that? Now, the Romans would say that. Uh, almost every Caesar uh, who served as emperor at some point declared themselves divine. And in many other cultures, in some countries today, you'll see that they kind of think of their leader as divine. We, uh, you know, not the Jews, not, not us, uh, but Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus says this about Jesus, that Jesus is mighty God. If you're wondering if there's one powerful enough to be king, that's, that's Jesus. That's, that's who Jesus is for us, powerful enough to us to, for us to say, I serve my life at the pleasure of the king. What I do, I do in my life 
because there is a king who wants it done and there is one who's great enough to give that level of submission and that level of authority in our lives too. And that's, that, that's Jesus. He's powerful enough. I, I heard from uh, a church member, a story. They, they worked in a hospital and they're telling me this story. And I want to tell you, I'm about to talk about surgery. So if you're like me and sometimes when you're flipping the channels and you're on like the medical channel and they're showing surgery and your stomach gets a little funny, like now's a good time just to like start humming your favorite um, Christmas tune in your head and tune out for like a couple minutes. And don't worry, I'll tell you when I need you back with me. Uh, but for everybody else, it's a pretty interesting story. Okay, so they had just done open heart surgery on this patient. And they were wheeling the patient back in, you know, out of recovery into a room. The patient codes, which means the, the heart just stops. And uh, they're, 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 getting, they're trying to, you know, revive the heart. And they call the surgeon. And the surgeon comes rushing in. And I, I don't know if this is, like, I don't know what the actual procedures they're supposed to do are. I don't know if this is, like, okay or not. Uh, but uh, the surgeon jumps on the patient in the bed, right there, opens the chest back up so the surgeon can access the heart. Because in the surgeon's words, I knew exactly what was happening. And I knew if I could get my hands on that heart, I could have a chance to save a life. There was one person in that scenario who knew exactly what was happening and how to save that life, right? And that one person did whatever it took to do that. Now, I'm glad we have people trained to do that uh, because if that, if that were me, I'd wake up, I would pass out and wake up on the floor a few minutes later and say, what happened? But that person in that scenario had the power to save a life and they did. That's who Jesus is as mighty God. Jesus is the one who has the power and he's the one who will do whatever it takes to get his hands on us, right? To, to help us and to, to, to claim us. Now, not, not only is Jesus strong enough to be our king, but Jesus is king because Jesus is wise enough. Uh, remember the uh, passage from Isaiah 9. Again, the names of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I want you to focus on wonderful counselor, everlasting father, right? Wonderful counselor, everlasting father, the, these names for Jesus. Well, as, as we look at that, we see, we see that Jesus is the one who's wise enough to, to counsel us where we should go. And Jesus is the everlasting father who can look at things from an eternal perspective. One, one of the things, if you've ever been to a counselor, you know that, that when you go to a good counselor, often you go because you've kind of gotten stuck in some kind of situation in your life. And you're like, I, I just don't know what to do. And I don't feel like what I want to have happen, I, I can't really make happen. And I really, really don't want this to happen. And I really, really don't want that to happen. And if either of these happens, I'm not sure how to handle it. And I want this to happen, but I can't make it happen. And I'm just not sure what, what to do. So, so oftentimes when people go see counselors, they just kind of lay out all this. And it's kind of like you're missing the forest for the trees, right? You just feel like these trees are closing in around you. And you can't see a way throughout of the forest. And what a good counselor does is a counselor says, hey, let's, let's I know where you are, it's tough. Let's take a step back and, and let's look at this whole forest, right? 
And, I, and there are some paths you haven't seen. Uh, and actually, if you look between those two trees, there's a path you may not have noticed. That, that's a pretty good path. And, and actually, between those two trees over there, there's another path. And, and that's not a bad path, path either. And let's, let's talk about which, which path you'd like to go on. And then there's Jesus, who not only is like a good counselor and taking a step back and seeing where we are now, but sees where we are in the light of all eternity, like, like no one else. I'm, I'm a part of a pastor's group and we get together once a month. And when we get together, uh, we normally eat, we normally pray for each other. And we normally talk about things in our churches or in our communities and our culture and how we can, can help one another in, in ministry. And the topic got at that group got brought up recently of kind of, hey, things going on in the world politically and economically. And so we kind of assigned a guy and said, hey, as we see where our culture is, as we see the politics and the economics, can you kind of do some research into trends and, and can you kind of, you kind of come back? Well, my buddy went to do research into trends and, you know, I, I don't know like, I think he was in like a dark place when he went to do this research. Maybe it was right after the South Carolina game. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. But, but he came back and the research he'd done, it was all like worst case scenario. It was like if the worst case scenario happens everywhere in the world politically simultaneously and economically simultaneously, you know, here's what it could actually look like. Uh, for us and for our communities and for our churches. And, and he gets done and I'm just like, oh, why do I hang out with you? Like, what? well, I need to find a new group. But then he said something and made it all worth it. Because the next question he said, it wasn't like, okay, how do we start canning our own vegetables and building bomb shelters? And, and it, it wasn't like, okay, how do we start hiding money under mattresses? No, it was beautiful. After he presents this whole like worst case scenario for the next 10 years in world history, he says this, now here's the question. If this happens, what opportunities do we have to share the gospel? Right? Wow. Wow, I never thought about it like that. You know, if the worst case happens, my life is still in service at the pleasure of the king, right? That's still what it's all about. That's still the most important thing. How, how, how do we share the gospel? It helped me take a step back and look at this, these situations that seem like, like they're closing in around you from the light of eternity. Wow, what? What, could, what opportunities would there be to lift Christ up even if that happens? And not only is Jesus king because he's wise enough, but there's one more reason that you need to know. And this is something if you've had trouble allowing Jesus to be your king that you need to know. Jesus is king because he's good enough for this. He's good enough. Uh, remember those phrases again from Isaiah 9. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace, right? Prince of Peace. Jesus wants what's best for us. He wants us to be at peace with ourselves. Jesus wants us to be at peace with God. Jesus wants us to be at peace with one another. He's good enough to be king. He's not like King Herod back in the day who would use whatever uh, the people would give him for himself. No, Jesus is actually concerned about us and wanting the very best for us in, in, in that situation. 
this, this is different, right? To trust that, that Jesus really wants this. Because we live in a world uh, where we often let our hearts be ruled uh, not and, and function not as a heart at peace, but as a heart at war. And, and a heart at war uh, wants more than they have. And, and, and a heart at war uh, wants to get revenge. Uh, and a heart at war wants to be better than and, and have more than and be more respected than all of that. And a heart at peace wants to be in right relationship with, wants to be at peace with. And that, that's what Jesus comes to give us. And it's so hard to, it's so hard to find with, without him. Uh, in fact, it's so hard to find that Sometimes it takes a child to teach us. Sometimes it's a child that can really best teach us that message. A few years back, I was in a Bible study, and it was one of these like intensive Bible studies, like, you know, not 90 minutes long, and we're really like through the course of the year reading, you know, most of the Bible and digging deep, deeply into it. And the, uh, it, it was just about a college level Bible course, and, and I'm teaching it, and one day, we have a, a lady and uh, we always had childcare at the church and well, childcare wasn't available that day. And so her second grade daughter, uh, she brought her and the daughter was going to sit in on the class of this little girl, incredibly well-behaved. Like she had a coloring book and some crafts and she sat there and she colored and she did her crafts for, for 90 minutes. And uh, we got to the end of the class and we had prayer time. And we said, does anybody have a prayer request? And uh, she raised her hand and she said, can I share a prayer request? And I thought, and of course the answer, you know, is either yes or no, you can't because none of us are actually Christians, right? Uh, so we're like, yes, of course you can share a prayer request. Uh, what is your prayer request? And she starts telling us about this other second grade girl who is bullying her. And you can tell the adults in the room, we're listening to the prayer request and we're getting angry. And we're starting to think the teacher should do something about that. We're starting to think the principal should jump in. That's ridiculous. You know, and uh, we're, start, we're starting to get mad and we're starting to, to you know, think, think about solutions and, and, and everything. And, uh, of the, and, and we're going to pray for her, but we're, we're going to, you know, work with the mom. We're going to get this taken care of. And then you know what the little girl said? She said, uh, she listed the name of the bully and she said, I, I don't think she has a very happy home. Could you pray for her? Turns out her mom and her teacher and that principal, they were on top of it. But she wanted prayer for that girl, right? She, she showed us what a heart at peace looked like. She taught us in that moment how Jesus looks at us. For how Jesus, what Jesus wants for us. When we had a heart at war, she showed us Jesus' heart at peace. Friends, if we want that heart at peace, it takes a king. It takes a king to give that gift. It takes a king who's mighty enough to give that gift, who's wise enough, who's strong enough, and who's good enough. And that king, that king's name is, is Jesus. Now, you remember when we got started today, we listed those people right? Those people. And we, we had emotional reactions to that, that list of people. There were a lot of really rich, influential, powerful people. I want to tell you, there's someone uh, in this world who, who makes those people, and it's not, it's not Jesus. I know in church, the right answer is always Jesus. I'm just going to warn you, the, the answer here is not Jesus. 
but whose power and influence in their life is so much greater than any of those. And uh, this person wasn't rich, right? Um, but she was the most powerful, influential woman history's ever known. I mean, Oprah Winfrey never dreamed of having the reach and the audience that this woman has. And Hillary Clinton uh, ne never dreamed uh, that she could influence people like the, this woman has. And, and Cleopatra uh, never, never could even imagine uh, that she could be given uh, the glory and the honor that is given to this woman. This woman's named Mary. Most influential, powerful woman in history. Never held a political title. Uh, never commanded armies. Never accumulated great wealth. But we lift her up. And pe people across our world, even people outside the Christian faith, lift up Mary. Uh, people outside the Christian faith, people across our world have a problem with about everybody named in this book except Mary, and for the most part, except Jesus. Because what did Mary do? What did Mary do? Mary met an angel. Mary heard a promise that there was a king who was coming, who was actually worthy to be king. And to let this person be her king, she had to make the greatest sacrifice of putting her life at risk, of also becoming the king's mother, of watching the king die and having her heart broken. The way Mary accumulated more wealth uh, of influence, uh, more power, uh, more honor than anyone else. She heard all this about Jesus. She bet her life on it and she gave her life to it. That's, that's what she did. Uh, now, friends, if, if we do that, I, I don't think people are going to remember us like they remember Mary. I, I hope they don't remember us quite like they remember some of the people on that other list I shared. But I do think that there are going to be people who remember about us that because we were here, they met a king who was worthy of being king. And so the question for us today, if we want to be those type of people is, do you know that person? And will you let him be your king? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we have so much trouble allowing someone to be our king. But you are the only one. You're the only one who's strong enough, who's wise enough, who's good enough. You're the only one. And so we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you for coming from heaven to earth to be our king. We ask that you would allow us to live our lives at your pleasure, to serve you where you would send us, to go where you would have us go, to do what you would have us do, to gain what you would have us gain, and to lose what you would have us lose. Lord, this is our prayer. We thank you, and we can only be your servants. We can only follow you. We can only be your people if you will send your Holy Spirit to give us the courage, to give us the strength, to give us the wisdom to do so. So we ask for just that. 
nothing more and nothing less. In your name we pray to you, the one, the true, the wise King. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.